Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David and with me are the NCP crew, Richo. I am with you. Luke. The mind prophecy wasn't true. I feel cheated. And Crystal. We're with you all the way. I had to read a whole bunch of books and watch a whole bunch of movies to catch up because I seriously thought the end of the world was coming. Yeah. I thought, great, end of the world's coming. I don't need to do anything for this podcast. That didn't happen. It's like, oh, no, I've got only a few days to catch up. Cram, cram, cram. They're, Damn probably, they're, they're probably all laughing at us from uh, <laughs> from beyond the grave. <laughs> it's like this. From Mayan heaven. <laughs> Mayan heaven is actually called Tamorinchin. Tamorinchin. There you go. I'll look that up. It was mine, April Fool's. You should have just said you knew it, because I would have been really impressed if you had Well, I did know it from school, but I had to look it up again, because I forgot. Because it was a long time ago since you went to school. It was, because I'm oh, an old man. Old man, old <laughs> So, uh, this is our first show for 2013. Yay! Yay! Happy Celebrate year. good times. Come on! <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so obviously we survived 2012 and uh, thanks to everybody who uh, has been listening to us. Um, if you're listening to us from the start, you're awesome. If this is your first episode, welcome. And you've been warned. That's right. I mean, if, if it had ended, there would be no more NPC, NCP. Exactly. Oh, right. welcome to the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> and that would suck. Um, it would especially suck because this episode we have a popcorn junkie on The Hobbit and then a round table on our picks for the best of 2012. That's right, you can hear about what we thought were the best uh, movie, comic, book, TV show, and event from 2012. We're also going to have a special shout-out and feedback section, as well as a giveaway! Who loves you, baby? <laughs> First oh up... Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, is this 1970, and have we entered Kojak, have we? I am old. <laughs> Our pop culture references have been much earlier than that at times, I don't think that's too bad. <laughs> Kojak, though. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Kojak. What well, can I say? There was an episode on during the holidays and it stuck him up in my mind. True love, you baby. <laughs> him and his shiny bald head. Yeah, first up, Popcorn Junkie, The Hobbit. Okay, so The Hobbit is the prequel... You'd class the films as a prequel, but technically Lord of the Rings, the book Lord of the Rings, is a sequel yeah. to The Hobbit. This is a prequel, though. Yeah. Um, and we'll go, I'll talk go through that, actually, when we do the review itself, but it is a prequel. Yeah, it definitely is a prequel. Mm. Um, it's uh, first of uh, planned three uh, films. Um, they've stretched the, the Hobbit novel out uh, by including the appendices, um, some of the appendices stuff as well. So this, is the, this one's titled An Unexpected Journey. Uh, it's, once again, it's directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, it's written uh, by Fran Welsh, Philippa Bowen, Boyens, uh, Peter Jackson, and also um, Guillermo um, del Toro. Yeah, del Toro is in there as well because he was going to actually direct. Direct, and he's listed as a creative consultant on the credits. Quick question: So did they not shoot all three together like they did for Lord of the Rings? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Yeah, they've, they've, they've done. They've done most. They've done most of the principal photography, mm. um, but there is still more to come. Mm. Um, and. Uh, it was originally, one of the things about this was it was not, not going to be three films, it was going to be two. And yeah. there was always um, some umming and ahhing about what the second film was going to be anyway, whether it was going to be the appendices or whether they were just going to split The Hobbit, um, the book in half, and just do an, a straight adaptation. So yeah. effectively what they've tried to do is they've had tried to have do it both ways. So they do two films as the adaptation, and the third one's going to be, um, let's fill in the blanks to get from 
Hobbit yeah, well, sort of. They've actually also it. used the appendices to sort of fill in some of, sort of flesh out the book a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's insane, you know. As we'll get get to it later, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll get to that as it goes. Um, it's really only really only important for people who have read the appendices, really. Yeah. And let's face it, not that many people would. I mean, mm-hmm. you get your diehard people, mm-hmm. but just your general average movie girl who saw Lord of the Rings and thinks, "Oh, I'll go see the Hobbit." Mm-hmm. They're not going to have any clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, for them, it'll work because they'll be like, "Hey, this is all cool." Uh, it stars Martin Freeman uh, as Bilbo, young Bilbo. Uh, Ian McCallum returns as Gandalf, mainly because he said, uh, "I couldn't, I didn't want anybody else to play it," which, is pretty, enough. which is pretty cool. No one, no one else would, no one would want anyone else to play him. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's I'd, face it. Anybody who asked who tried to would just be kidding themselves. Mm. Uh, Richard Armitage, who my wife thinks is pretty cute, um, <laughs> as Thorin. Do you think he's really cute in dwarf form, or is it just in regular form? <laughs> uh, and it's also got a whole heap of other people, uh, some people returning from uh, the original trilogies, uh, like Hugo Weaving um, uh, returning as Alron. Uh, but it's also got a whole bunch of uh, excellent actors as the dwarves. Brett McKenzie? Yeah. Uh, not a dwarf and elf, but special mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett, Brett is, shows up as the as his elf character. And that was one of the because as soon as he comes out, I just go, I know who that is, and I know, and I know exactly why he's in because he's become really popular. Yeah. I kind of like this, but at the same time, who are we kidding? <laughs> nah, I thought it was cool. I mean, yeah, there's no denying. I didn't realize it was, it was, it was there purely for the fanboys. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, the fangirls. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, but it was it was alright. I'll let it go. Don't really matter. Um, it came out in Australia uh, December 26 and is currently number one at the box office by a large margin. Hmm. Well, it's pretty um, much number one at the box office all around the world at the moment by yeah, a large margin. It's, it's uh, huge. It's, it's, doing, it's doing great stuff. Okay, so for, the, for those of you who uh, haven't read the book or don't know anything about the story, um, The Hobbit is is basically the the story uh, as told uh, in Lord of the Rings, how Bilbo has uh, the One Ring, uh, how he got the One Ring. The Dwarven Kingdom of Erebor has been taken over by the great dragon Smaug, um, and uh, all the dwarves have basically now become homeless. Uh, so, 60 years later, they a group of them band together to to, uh, to try and uh, retake Erebor. Um, and Bilbo goes along as their thief, and of course, then gets the ring. That's basically it in a nutshell. Actors. Um, I, I, for one, think the cast are all excellent. You know, with people like Hugo Weaving, Kate Blanchett, Christopher Lee, mm. Ian McCallum, you know, we already knew that they were going to be awesome because basically they were awesome in uh, in Lord of the Rings. Um, I thought Martin Freeman did a really excellent job. Very sort of uh, sympathetic character. You know, I was really into his performance and into his journey. Um, plus, I mean, I can understand how he might get from him to Ian Holm later on. Mm. I have to disagree. I, I think Hugo Weaving and Kate Blanchett played it really over the top in Lord of the Rings. I thought they overplayed it. However, I think they did an, a better job in The Hobbit. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I also think, uh, it wasn't until I saw the uh, the picture that old Bilbo pulls out of young Bilbo that I thought Martin Freeman, oh yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. cool. Cool. Uh, okay, I disagree with Kate Blanchett and Hugo Weaving. I just think, I think they're pretty good in both. Uh, but the Martin Freeman thing, uh, as Bill, I, I like the choice of actor. I kind of felt like he was just playing himself a little bit, and it doesn't help that you've got Ian Holm having played Bilbo originally, and Ian Holm, yeah. who's not whilst he's not chameleonic. Um, I'd never get the sense that I'm just watching Ian Holm perform. I get the sense that he's you know trying to create a character and go from there. Whereas whilst I like Martin Freeman, don't get me wrong, 
Um, I just felt like he, instead of seeing Bilbo, the character sort of felt like I was seeing Bilbo as played by Martin Freeman. He does the, he oh, does no. the bumbling Englishman yep. very well. Mm. No, d- disagree. I think his performance here is completely different to the last thing I'd seen him in, which was Sherlock. That's true. That's um, true. He seemed a lot older than Sherlock, and, didn't he? Yeah, and I just Good don't... Uh, yeah, no, I actually felt that he, you know, I felt that he was... Uh, Bilbo quite well. I thought it was very different to say his performance in things like The Office. What he has here is a naivety and an awe and wonder that I don't think he has in those other roles. I did. It did seem a little bit like what if Arthur Dent was a Hobbit? Yeah, yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what I agree with. But couldn't you mm. say then mm. the thing the the similarities there though are also in the characters? Yeah. Both Arthur and Bilbo, Arthur and Hitchhikers and Bilbo, they're taken out of the comfort of the environment that they are quite content to be in and placed into something both dangerous and fantastic maybe it's just the similarities in those two characters is what draws the comparisons not so much the performance itself i don't actually give mention to richard armitage yeah i think his performance is fantastic and is the actually i think the standout performance in the film yeah Theron's awesome and um, also probably because it was unexpected because I, I hadn't really encountered Richard Armitage before or and obviously the character is new to the Lord of the Rings films mm. um, so I didn't really have any expectation whereas with somebody like Gandalf for example I was pretty much mm. guaranteed to get an awesome performance yeah. so yeah so I thought he was a real standout performance fantastic production um, it's uh, the usual uh, high standard what a workshop set the bar pretty high with um, Lord of the Rings mm. and it's got to be slightly different in that The Hobbit is a slightly different beast to Lord of the Rings. It's not as intricate a mm. story, but to to keep the continuity going, they've got to sort of make sure that the standard's pretty high and they match it. You know, I didn't feel like I was watching a subpar version of Middle Earth. I felt it was exactly as had been envisioned in the original trilogy. You guys saw it separately from us. Did you see the higher frame rate version? No, we saw the lower frame rate version. I refused to watch it in 3D. Yeah, you have to see it in three. It has to be in three. Yeah, see that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said except for uh, Radagast's uh, rabbit-drawn sled. Um, I just thought that looked ridiculously bad. It looked fine, um, but everything—it was just—it just, was just—it was—it just didn't have a set this proper sense of motion that it should have had. It just, yeah, it, just, it looked too. It looked animated. But could that be because it's also designed for the um, the three D? Focusing more on how it should be moving when it's coming right at maybe you. I don't know, but it's it's it, if you've got a two D if you're going to release two D and three D then you should focus on what it's going to look like in both, both, not just in one. Let's get to the important stuff though. Gollum is in this film. Yeah. Now I've I've said it before and I'm going to say it again right now. I think Gollum is the most beautifully realized CGI character mm. in cinema. Yeah, I totally agree. And. Somehow, uh, it, it, despite how awesome he is in Lord of the Rings, they've somehow even upped it again mm. for The Hobbit. And the scenes that he that Gollum is in, it's just astonishing how how amazing his movements and his facial expressions. It, even better, like I said, even better than Lord of the Rings. It's just it's just incredible to watch. Mm. I, I agree with the continuity. Uh, certainly, the continuity of look and feel of the films, mm. I think, was important. Um, as we said, Gamma Del Toro was originally involved in writing the script and as a creative consultant. He was actually pegged originally to direct the movie as well. Mm. But after several years of MGM almost going bankrupt and the film just being stalled time and time again, he eventually left the project. Um, and as much as I love Del Toro as a director, I'm actually glad that happened. 
because mm. I, I'm glad that The Hobbit has the same feel and same directorial sensibility as Lord of the Rings does, because I think it does create that greater continuity and it does make you feel like you're inhabiting the same world. Whereas I think Del Toro probably would have made it a bit darker, brought more of his sensibility into it, and it, it might not have had that that feel of continuity. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind him directing the Smaug section though. That would be awesome. That'd no be doubt awesome. about it. Um, having said that, I think there was still a little bit, because of time constraints on the production, I had to get it out quickly once MGM finally got its um, act together. Um, I think there was still a bit of a, a Guillermo del Toro influence in some of the directing choices and in some of the editing choices. I can certainly um, see it in that in that opening sequence, yeah. when, when you're getting sort of the backstory involving the dragon mm-hmm. arriving. There's a lot more quick cuts yeah. um, without some of the reaction to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of led, led into my kind of chief fault with the film which is that i think bilbo himself gets a little bit lost in the story whereas in the original trilogy um the focus was kept quite strongly on what frodo was doing um and certainly on uh the ring itself as being the influence here uh, bilbo gets sidetracked quite often by what thorin and gandalf are doing to the point where it sometimes feels like a thorin and gandalf's film as opposed yeah. to bilbo's story which doesn't come into into it really until the second half of um, of this film um, and once it does it actually becomes you know quite an involving um, story particularly with the introduction or the reintroduction of Gollum it's the best scene in the book it's the best scene I think in the film but you needed to have a little bit more of Bilbo I think to make that scene even more powerful yeah I think probably the, the for me the biggest flaw in the film is that it just takes forever to get going mm. Mm. Like, there's a whole sequence of them just sitting there eating and waiting and waiting and eating and waiting. And, and singing. And singing. Uh. And it's like... But when, when, it, when, the actual, when the actual quest starts, from that point onwards, mm. I, was, I was quite captivated with the story. But it just took... I think just took too long to get to the actual beginning of the quest. And the setup wasn't really setting all that much up that I didn't actually get once the quest started anyway. Mm. So... I have to strongly disagree. I enjoyed the whole film, including the start. And I, I just liked the... I liked visiting with the dwarves in it, and I did. I liked the uh, eating scene. I didn't. I didn't mind that it took a long time. Okay. <laughs> the question I got is for those of you who've read the books, how do you reckon it actually stacks up as an interpretation of the book? I think it's much better than the book. I, I, I only ever read the book once, maybe twice. I, I never got into it as much as the Lord of the Rings. I only sort of read it because it was within that world. Mm-hmm. But the book itself was aimed at children. Yeah, yeah and that's that, that's a good point. Bec- because I just want to touch on this. A lot of the criticism seems to be it's not as good as Lord of the Rings or it's not like Lord of the Rings. Hmm. But well, the, the, the Hobbit beast. isn't the same type of book. It is, as Crystal said, it's a kid's book. And I just wanted to know what... I think that's, that put. criticism is only being said by people who have never read the book. Mm. That, that's, I mean, I'm not trying to be elitist. It's, it's, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't even like the book. Yeah, well, I mean, I only read the book because I read Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, but I think... I, I, I definitely think that's people. The only people who are saying that who haven't actually read the book because they didn't like know what to said. expect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. They're expecting the the grand epicness of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which is you know huge and it's in your face. I mean, The Hobbit is written for children and is meant to be light-hearted mm-hmm. adventure. And that's what you get. Cool. I mean, that's why you get songs. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just that's why they cut out uh, Legolas's poetry and. And rubbish from the Lord of the Rings films. It just didn't rubbish. fit the epic nature of it. Oh, I think that's why I think the films are better than the Lord of the Rings films are better than the books because they cut all that rubbish out. So, final thoughts, ratings. Well, I found this thoroughly entertaining once it got started. Yeah, just a really good adventure story. Uh, I give it uh, four looks. 
Um, also entertained. Um, big Rings fan, both of the books and of the um, the original trilogy, and a fan of the um the book upon which the Hobbit is based upon as well. Um, three and a half looks. I'm not quite sure if they can stretch all this out to three films, but I will certainly be along for the ride. I thoroughly enjoyed every moment of this film. It's not often I see a film where this I don't have a, a little bit of criticism about it, but honestly can't think of anything at this stage. Maybe uh, maybe after a while, after the novelty's worn off, I might be able to see something, but at this stage I'm giving it five looks. Wow. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoyed it as well. I mean, we, we saw it in uh, gold class, so it was it helped that I had a recliner seat in case I fell asleep or something. Um, it's the, the like, like Richard said, it does take a long time to to start up and the song I just I, I couldn't I couldn't stand the songs um, I, I, <laughs> sorry to interrupt but I actually think I enjoyed your reaction to the song more than the song itself <laughs> oh, this is I was going to say you thought you were going to fall asleep during this I seriously thought I was going to fall asleep um, three, <laughs> hour, three hours and we saw the 10 o'clock session and I was like oh my god um, so but yeah it does take a while to get off but, um, I, but I really really enjoyed um, the fact that it was still a, a PG sort of film you know what I mean it was, it was a film for the whole family to enjoy and there were kids there that were and they didn't they didn't stir once three hours and they were like they were totally engrossed and that that's awesome uh, my favorite scene um yeah I mean the goblin scene is awesome uh my favorite scene is definitely the escape from the goblin city and I just thought that was just unbelievable in terms of just action and cinematography uh, just it was just magnificent stuff um so I I give it 3.5 looks coming up next NCP Cruise Best of 2012. Okay, so at the moment you've all been waiting for NCP's Best of 2012. The things, uh, the film, book, TV, comic, and event of 2012 that we thought were the standouts. And because we thought it, therefore it's true. We're going to start with best film and take it away, Richo. The absolute best film that I saw last year, and I think actually by a fair margin as well, um, is an Iranian film called A Separation. It deals with a couple who try arguing over a decision whether or not to uh, move overseas. Um, the husband in the relationship wants to stay because he's looking after his father who has Alzheimer's. Uh, the wife wants a divorce so that she can take the daughter away because she thinks there are greater opportunities outside of the country. Unfortunately, um, they become embroiled in a particularly nasty legal matter when the husband is accused of striking their, um, the nurse that looks after his father, um, striking the nurse and causing her to lose her baby. This is an incredibly powerful and moving movie, and it's just uh, incredible performances, incredible story. It just, it absolutely blew me away. And like I said, by far margin, I think the best film I've seen this year. Awesome. Luke? I'm going to take a different track, although I do agree A Separation is a very good film, and, you know, people should see it. It was um, the winner of Best Academy Award, I believe. Um, yeah, Best Foreign Picture. Best Foreign Picture, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a different track and go to the sort of more popular end. Um, and I'm going to choose Dread. No one would have seen it because it got, it did get a wide release and is one of the biggest box office flops of the year. But it's actually one of the biggest. It's the one one of the biggest box office flops that's been given high praise critically, which is amazing for a, a comic book film. Um, of all the big over the top action stuff, all the big comic book stuff like the Avengers of Dark Knight, I think this is the one that stands out. 
Um, I was entertained right from the start. I am a Judge Dredd fan myself. Not of the original film, with Sylvester Stallone should be pointed out, but of the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this does, this just makes the Sylvester Stallone film almost a footnote in the pages of cinema history. Carl Urban is terrific. Olivia Thurby, who plays Judge Anderson, is terrific as well. Um, I believe that this was Mega City 1, even though it wasn't quite the Mega City 1 of the comics. Hmm. Um, I still believe that it was a strange world in this strange land. Um, I liked seeing the influences. This could have been made in the 80s, but and I thought it actually stood up quite well. Um, an entertaining story with some nice moments and some good characters. Awesome. Crystal. Um, it was a toss-up for me. Um, I was waiting until we saw The Hobbit before I made my final decision. So up until then, it was going to be Looper because that, that was the uh, best science fiction film I'd seen for a while. Um, but The Hobbit came along and, and uh, eclipsed Looper. Yeah. I, I, won't, I, won't talk, Looper. I won't talk too much about The Hobbit because we've just reviewed it in great detail, but uh, that's my pick for 2012. And we did see it on the last day of 2012, so still, <laughs> still, two, counts. still counts as 2012. Well, it came out in 2012, anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Um, well, I'm going to go with the Avengers. I, I want to I sort of change sort of my review style. Um, so when we do reviews, we talk about uh, the actors and the production and, and all that sort of stuff and how they sort of work as films. Um, but I'm sort of finding more and more that I, I really just want to uh, see good films and films that I actually enjoy seeing, um, like for instance, Dread, which mm. I enjoyed a lot. Mm. Still, there were still technical problems with it, but I actually just enjoyed the, mm. the ride. Um, so the Avengers for me, although yes, if you want to be picky, there were technical problems. Um, it was just so much, so much fun. Um, while I was sitting there, I just had a smile on my face the entire time. At some points, I was cheering, you know, and you know, I was just ecstatic. Because it was just over the top brilliance, so that's that's why I'm going to go with the Avengers because it was just just a heap of fun. Okay, so let's move on to our our best book of 2012. Once again, starting with Richard. Well, we read a lot of really amazing books this year, actually, mm. in, uh, for uh, Dust Jacket. One of the books we read was Fahrenheit 451, and as I said during my review, it's my favourite novel of all time. <laughs> so, really, that's the one I've got to go with again. But, um, I mean, we read 1984, we read War of the Worlds, Ender's Game, I, Robert, just so many great things to choose from. But for me, Fahrenheit, best novel ever written. Fair enough. Luke? Um, generally, I try and choose books that have come out this year. Um, I haven't read a hell of a lot of new stuff throughout the past 12 months and what I have read I wasn't particularly impressed with um, uh, <laughs> to say the least <laughs> it just you know nothing not, nothing terrible but nothing saying this is extraordinary and is worthy of praise I'm going to choose um, The Case of Steel by Isaac Asimov which I read for the first time this year and good choice enjoyed it so much that I had to go and read um, books two and three which I also enjoyed wow. um, mm. to uh, you know some of my favourite genres science fiction robots Hardboiled detective, you can't go wrong, really. Nice, simple plot and interesting mystery. You do kind of pick what's going to happen at the end, yeah. but um, thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. My book of 2012 is a book that was written in the 1950s. Mine too. <laughs> Crystal? Well, if I had read The Caves of Still this year, I would have been hard-pressed not to choose that as my favourite as well, but I, I didn't read it this year. I read that many moons ago. Um, my favourite book of this year goes once again to Christine Catherine Rush. You've done it again, Christine Catherine Rush. Um, 
blowback. Uh, as I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I actually got an advanced copy of that through a Kickstarter project. Uh, and it was the follow-up to the previous Retrieval Art- Artist novel. Um, it's just really, really enjoyable stuff. Like you were saying, like David was saying about the Avengers movie, really, really enjoyable stuff. I enjoyed every second of it. And that's what you want out of a book. I think we've gotten to the point where you can just call her Christine now. We're on first name basis? Yeah, I mean... I think it's important to say Christine Catherine Rush at the start. <laughs> to, to acknowledge the start, that that's yes. the author. But then from, from following on during the episode, it's just, you know, our mate Christine. Fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, my book, uh, funnily enough, and this is why I think we should just, can we can call her Christine, is because my, my pick of the year is actually Alien Influences. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, the reason I'm picking it is because, I, well, I, like uh, the others were saying, I wanted to pick one that I've read for the first time in 2012. And the reason I'm picking it is because uh, of basically just that sequence with Beth. Um, I just think that Beth's story in this novel, um, even though it's kind of let down ar- around it, uh, but Beth's, Beth's story is just is so powerful and moved me so much that, I mean, uh, I, mean I, was, I was almost sort of welling up um, that it... That, uh, it overrides anything else that I've read this year. So it's a Christine Catherine Rush-themed uh, picks uh, for Crystal for myself, uh, Alien Influences. Okay, so moving on to best TV show, Richard. For me, the really the standout TV show this year was actually second season of Boardwalk Empire. I'm not saying it was necessarily the best show of the year, but I think more than anything else, it was the greatest improvement on a show from its first season. I enjoyed the first season of Boardwalk Empire. It sets up the Prohibition era quite nicely and everything, but it was a little bit sort of slow and, you know, everything comes to a head in Boardwalk Empire season two and it is just one absolutely captivating episode after another, building up to one of the best endings to a season. And for me, one of the most unexpected endings to a season that I've ever seen on television. So, Aliens Invade? No. That but if they unexpected. did, it would be very different. <laughs> this is zombie apocalypse. <laughs> but the show, the show had promise in its first season, and it's now actually realised um, all of the all of the expectations I had of it before I ever started watching it have now actually come together in that second season. So, just an amazing improvement, and yeah, one of the best shows of the of the, of the year. Cool. Well, look, um, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna go the other end and choose a slightly more popular show. I'm gonna go with Arrow. Um, now, don't get me wrong, Arrow is not perfect. It has some glaring faults, and the first few episodes are very shaky, but they have started to um, streamline a lot more, and it's slowly getting the balance between soap opera elements and the more action-oriented elements. It's still not perfect. It is still coming together, but I'm enjoying seeing its progression, and I hope that you know when it gets into the second season, it's going to kick into high gear and become phenomenal. Oh, I'm totally with you. I, mm. I, I think that its only faults are the fact that it's a CW show. Mm. Like if that, if that, mm. if those creators mm. were on a different network, mm. it would be mm. a different beast, and mm. they'd trim off all that sort of CW yeah. love triangle sort of stuff, yeah. soap oh, opera sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm really enjoying. Yeah, it. Yeah, its only fault is it's awful. <laughs> well, it's well, I'm amazed at just how quickly it's getting better. Yeah, like each episode is substantially better than the one before it. Go, mm. cool. Crystal. Uh, my pick for this year, which uh, it actually actually watched the beginning of uh, 2012, was Sherlock, starring uh, Man of the Year Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Martin Freeman, <laughs> who both seem to be popping up in everything at the moment. It's just a, it's it's a fast period to the films that came out with Robert Downey Jr. It's it's, it's just a really good 
modern Sherlock Holmes mystery. It, it, it's as if, it's if, if um, Arthur Conan Doyle was alive in this day and age, this is what it'd be, he'd be producing. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's really Absolutely. good. Yeah, no, I Top notch. Can't disagree at all with that. No. Except for the guy that plays Moriarty. Oh, he's no, a bit weird. The, in, the, in the second season of Sherlock, oh, the second comes season, together second beautifully. Second season of Moriarty is awesome, but the first season, last episode, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. That's just a little last-minute thing, as opposed to the yeah. episode where you actually want him to step up, and when he does step up, it's... It is amazing. Exactly and what it should be. The second season show. And it, and, and it casts a different light on that final episode of the first season as well. You know, I, I think you can look back on that first episode and go... Uh, on that last episode and go, okay, now I exactly I see exactly what he was doing and why he was the way he was in that sequence. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Cool. Uh, well, with my best TV show uh, was The Walking Dead Season 3. I've been watching Walking Dead since the start, and uh, it's had its ups and downs. It's had a lot of uh, drama uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but in terms of the show itself, um, uh, I think, basically, in a nutshell, Walking Dead Season 3, uh, like Richard just said about the show, it, just, it, it brings it all together. I mean, Season 3, I think, is, has stepped it, stepped it up, not just a notch, a couple of notches, um, and is now... Basically, you know, it's now they've reached the level of, of how good the comic used to be. Because I'm actually not a fan of where the comic's going at the moment. But it's just amazing, amazing viewing. And uh, uh, more importantly, consistently good. Walking Dead Season 1 starts off brilliantly and then gets really bad in the second half. Season 2 is actually is actually the flip side of that. It uh, starts off pretty boring and then gets brilliant. And then, But Season 3 is just being, is just being awesome all the way through. I just, I bring stuff. So moving on to best comic. And that could be issue, series, miniseries, whatever. I don't care. Uh, starting with Richard. This was actually the absolute hardest category for me. 2011 and 2012 especially have just been amazing years for comics outside of the big two, especially. Mm. Um, I mean, you've, we've seen the rise of Image that is, has just been incredible. Amazing. Um, and there are just so many good comics to read at the moment in so many different genres that I really struggled. And I actually had Green Wake down at one point. But um, then I did a check and found out that Bulletproof Coffin... I read both the original Bulletproof Coffin miniseries and the Disinterred miniseries last year in trade form. Mm-hmm. It is the most bizarre and wonderful series I think I've ever read. It's, it's, it has that same sense of joy and wonder I got reading the very earliest uh, Vertigo work by people like Grant Morrison. Um, it, it blurs the line between fantasy and reality in the most incredible ways. And um, yeah, it features bizarre artwork by Shaky Kane and wonderful story by David Hine. Um, and I'd recommend both miniseries. They're just fantastic, bizarre and wonderful reads. And they remind me of just how limitless the scope of working in comics is and just how much you can actually do in comics. Can I just say bizarre and wonderful are two words that make me prick up my ears there. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it is so weird. It's like it's 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 like it's it's and like weird. A, yeah, it's like a weird David Lynch like film but in comic book form. I'm intrigued. That's awesome. I mean, I'm also intrigued. Look um, this must be the day for popularist things for me because I'm actually going with my comic choice um, one that's cropped up on a number of... It's been a number one on quite a number of people's lists, which is Saga by Brian K. Vaughan and uh, Fiona Staples. It tells the story of two star-crossed lovers in an inter- interdimensional um, war who come together, get pregnant, have a child, and try to flee both their cultures in an attempt to start a life together. 
Um, on the face of it, that sounds kind of bland and how Romeo and Juliet. Um, and one of the big flaws could be that it progresses at a Brian K. Vaughan pace, which means that it'll take till they shoot 20 until something kind of, you know, major happens. But um, <laughs> the world building is pretty immense. Brian K. Vaughan's um, chief strengths, which are his dialogue and characterization, are up to even more. He's created some great characters. And Fiona Staples' artwork is um, extraordinary. It's going places, and I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, look, it may be a popularist uh, choice, but let's face facts. The reason for that is because the series is awesome. Mm. <laughs> that's all there is to it. It's, that's, it's, it's one of those few occasions, it, it seems to be so rare these days, that where something that is actually excellent mm. is popular. Mm. And, you know, and It's, it's not just Wolverine you know, mm. series 20 billion. And it's, mm. and it's universally praised. Everybody yep. is calling it the best comic of the year, and I can understand that. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's a reason for that, and that's because it's good. It's good stuff. Mm. I love the, the tree spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Crystal. Um, I actually have a comic pick for this year, and Yay. it's because some some wonderful person gave me one for Christmas. And uh, my comic pick for this year is Terry Pratchett's Discworld graphic novels, uh, The Colour of Magic and The Light Fantastic. Now, I have to say the story is fantastic, but then it's come from awesome source material. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, I've, I don't know whether it's just me or if it actually hasn't been adapted very well, but I found it, 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 it I can follow it because I've read the novels. Um, I found some panels sort of jump quickly from one scene to another and, and you sort of, if, you hadn't, if I hadn't read it, I would be wondering how they got to where they got to. And I'm also finding the font hard to read. It, it's, it's done in that uh, typical faux handwriting font and it's all in uppercase so it sort of all runs together i know that that's that's the typical comic way to go but i find that hard to read and it, it's a bit detracting from a terry pratchett because when death speaks in a novel he speaks in uppercase so they have to therefore differentiate it differently in a comic form and they do that by making it bold and it doesn't quite work i think it just reinforces that i'm a novel girl not a comic girl because terry pratchett's a wordsmith he paints pictures with words so it's I, I liken it to if you take the Mona Lisa and erase all the fine brush strokes out of it and then you're just left with the outline and the impression of the picture that's what this comic is compared to a novel wow and that's how that's how I, 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 so did you like it did you like it or not I, I did I did like it I did enjoy it but I mean yeah. how could you not it's Terry yeah. Pratchett awesome. um but I find that with most comics I read and I admit I haven't read many but I find <laughs> that uh, I do get more out of novels for that reason. Fair enough. I was just going to say, when Death Speaks, can you not help but hear Christopher Lee's voice? <laughs> That's a good point, but because uh, I've been reading Terry Pratchett for many, many years, and I just, I just kind of hear a generic, deep voice in my head. So in the book, he speaks in uppercase, yep. which in internet terms is shouting. Yeah, but, but whenever you see him in any of the, I've seen a couple of the miniseries or TV shows, and he's always whispering. Yeah, but Does the book, work? this 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 came out um, before the internet was big, oh, so right. that he, he started he started <laughs> well, before, well, 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 truly before the internet was big. before the internet. So, so the speaking in uppercase thing wasn't uh, at the time wasn't known as shouting over the internet. It's just to indicate that he's an otherworldly voice. More than anything else. It would have been better with like italics or something, yeah? 
Maybe maybe in hindsight. <laughs> in hindsight. Before, so for those mm. for those listeners who never understood a world without the internet, it did exist. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had books. <laughs> okay, so my best comic of the year was a mini series uh, called Spider Men, uh, written by Mike, Brian Michael Bendis and illustrated by Sarah Pachali. Um, it is a crossover between um, Peter Parker six one six Peter Parker and Ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, it's, I wouldn't go so far as to call it as an instant classic like it does on the cover, uh, but it was really, really cool. Um, it was uh, an, all, an all-ages book uh, that uh, really tugged to the heartstrings. Um, it, was a, it, was, it was a lot of fun from start to finish. It was Peter the way he's meant to be written, it was Miles at the top of his game. Um, I actually quite like Miles as a character. Um, of course, it was sad to see, see uh, Ultimate Peter die, but uh, Miles is an excellent replacement. It was just it was just a fun story from start to finish. It was it was just really really cool. And you know, it's I'm a big Brian Michael Bendis fan, and you know once again he's hit he's hit the mark. Uh, and also the artwork, uh, Sarah Pacelli is um, is just excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. Can't you say I'm shocked that you chose Spider-Man? I can't believe it. <laughs> well, considering the awful Spider-Man stories that have been happening through 2012, I am shocked as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a good uh, Spider-Man story. Um, no, it's, it's it's really, really, really good. So uh, check it out. It's good stuff. Um, and if you stay tuned for later in the episode, uh, you may actually get a chance to uh, win a copy. All right. More <gasps> of that later. So just to finish off our uh, best of 2012s, we've got best of events. So um, it's basically just something that happened in 2012 that we thought was important to us or to, to the world or whatever the case may be and uh, needed to be mentioned. So our favourite moment from 2012. Hit it, Richard. Oh, really? The moment that actually blew me away has got to be the announcement that Disney has bought Star Wars. Oh, sorry. Disney has bought Lucasfilms, but let's say facts. Disney bought Star Wars and has already announced that they're preparing new movies. And as a Star Wars nerd, seriously, the idea of any new Star Wars stuff coming my way is just awesome. But um, yeah, just a huge announcement that seemed to come out of nowhere. Like, there wasn't a lot of rumours going around about it or anything. It was just one day I jumped online and there it was. (laughs) So yeah, and just, yeah, but huge news for nerds. Yeah. Like, hey, we've got three more Star Wars films. Pretty amazing. That means that we need to stay alive until at least 2021 (laughs) to see the next three movies. (laughs) Luke? Um, We're just going to be Gail Simone being inexplicably fired and then rehired on Batgirl. Um, Fired by email. Fired by email. And and then everyone just went, no, hang on. We're calling dibs on that. Absolutely. Um, And 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 well done. Well done, internet. Yeah. Well but, done, fans, um, for getting that happening. The, the thing that I want to actually say is my event of the year is, and this is surprising because I'm actually not a fan of his work, but um, Mark Miller teaming up with a whole bunch of um, uh, creators online, particularly female creators, to take down a, um, a rather obnoxious and quite insulting and vile um, online bully. Um, he'd been, This is a man who'd been um, making some rather, rather disgusting claims and insults particularly towards female creators mm. um, and Mark Miller just said no nah, this is not on uh, send me some info about the guy um, and we'll get the police and some lawyers involved to um, actually and from what I can understand they haven't given details away for obvious legal reasons 
but from what I can tell, they've actually taken some action to sort of stop him. Yeah, it was and actually well, it actually hired Miller actually hired a private detective. Yeah, who actually who tracked this guy down mm. and then gave the information to the authorities. And good for him because the stuff that mm. this guy's written is vile. I mean, we cannot repeat it on the show. It's yeah, that no, disgusting. It's, and we're actually like, we're not even going to repeat his name. No. He doesn't deserve it. Well, no. it's, 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 Mark Miller said, "Don't repeat his name for yep. the legal reasons." And you know, in court those which is because I hope this guy get does get taken down. And we're not going to. But yeah, I thought it was some some very vile remarks. And good on everyone, particularly Mark Miller, mm. for actually taking some action. Yeah, I just, I just this internet. And anonymity that the, the, the internet allows that lets people just say this horrible, terrible crap mm. just really gets me. It's like, I mean, just Amazing Spider-Man 700 came out. Mm. And although I'm not a fan, which you can check out on the website, I didn't like it. It was terrible. Um, but what's been happening on Twitter to, to Dan Slott, and I'm not a fan mm. of the man's work, but I don't mm. want the man dead. Yeah. I mean, he's actually had really quite horrible death threats. Not just the usual, oh, you know, just burning a fire slot you suck it's just been really horrible mm. against him and his family just because they've he's killed off a you know a, a fictional character that it, that happens to be a favorite too i just mm. it just really drives me mad mm. it is i just i can't stand it, it is, mark, get, let's get mark miller on the case here's the fantasy that you've all created <laughs> yeah and here's how things operate in the real world yeah i mean it's nothing wrong i mean I, I mean i didn't like the issue i didn't like what happened i don't like dan Slott as a writer I don't want the man dead. I just don't want him writing Spider-Man. Yeah. That's as simple as that. I mean, his threats against anybody, male or female, is a disgrace, and Mark Miller should get on the case. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Crystal. On a happier note. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favourite event of 2012 is uh, more of a personal thing than anything that's happened in the wider world. For our first wedding anniversary, the David surprised me with a a trip to Auckland. I, <laughs> I knew I knew we were planning to go away because I'd been told to take the week off work, so I knew that was happening. So, but I figured it would be a, a local little B and B somewhere. Uh, but then I was surprised with airline tickets to to Auckland. And I'm glad I told you too. I wasn't. I was actually going to keep it a complete surprise until that morning, and we were like getting a taxi and drive there. Yes. And I'm glad I told you about it because I got the the times, the dates and times wrong. <laughs> yeah. So if I had to told you, it would have been there on the wrong day. And if, uh, if you're wondering why Auckland was chosen, as uh, our honeymoon was spent in New Zealand, so uh, Auckland was like sort of going back to where it all started. It was it was a very nice surprise. Okay, so that's uh, we'll finish up with mine. Um, yeah, I feel a bit kind of bad because mine should be the uh, the surprise anniversary as well. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm actually going to go with the expos. Um, normally there, I mean it's it's a long it's a long. I'm there all day and it's just hard on the feet and I'm, I'm quite tired and stuff like that. Um, but the conventions in 2012 that I went to um, had just had such awesome moments that uh, I'm going to pick those. Um, uh, meeting Stan Lee, my idol at Oz Comic Con as well as the interviews that I got to do for Oz Comic Con as well so again thanks Oz Comic Con um, uh, Supernova it was a great event there met some fans uh, gave away some t-shirts and stuff it was, it was really, really cool um, people uh, I, the the idea of people actually coming up and introducing themselves and saying they're a fan of the show brilliant so thanks to everybody who did that um, and uh, all the interviews I had at Armageddon um, you know Bruce Fox Leitner Cindy Morgan Charles Martinet um, that and, and the others 
really really cool it's just uh and thanks again to armageddon i just can't thank you all enough so great fun and uh he's looking to 2013 for uh, their convention so that's it so that's ncp's best of for 2012 everything that we list everything that we said i'll have it in the show notes as well because uh lovely crystal wrote them all down so uh check them all out hope you enjoyed it look forward to uh 2013 all right <laughs> coming up next coming soon <laughs> Okay, coming soon uh, in Australian cinemas, January 10, we get Paranorman, Gangster Squad, and Hitchcock. There's two films there I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Paranorman looks cute. Gangster Squad, it's been done before, but it looks interesting. And uh, Hitchcock just look, looks awesome. Yeah. I wasn't talking about Paranorman, I should point out. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> That's right. I don't know Paranorman. I have no interest in Gangster Squad, but Hitchcock looks good. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> cool. And then the following week on January 17, I do need to point out this is when Australia gets them because America's already gone. Uh, Django Unchained, The Guilt Trip, and The Impossible. Uh, Django Unchained, of course, Quentin Tarantino's next film, and mm. uh, it's been getting some pretty impressive reviews, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, hopefully, if Tarantino can actually rein in his excesses, we might actually get a good film from him again. Yeah, I've been, I've been bitten uh, the last couple of films, so I, I'm looking forward to it, I'm really looking forward to it, but uh, it's a wait and see for oh, me. Tarantino's an excellent filmmaker, I just, because I'm not a big fan of violence or gore, <laughs> they're not really the films for me. <laughs> Inglorious <laughs> Bastards, not for you. Uh, and The Guilt Trip just looks like your typical rubbish. Typical yeah. Guilt Trip. Yeah, and uh, I actually don't even know what The Impossible's about. The Impossible is about the tsunami. It's got uh, oh, that's right, Naomi yeah. Watson, Ewan McGregor in it. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Oh, the trailer that tells the whole film. It could go either way. It could go either way. I mean, two good, two yeah. good actors. So yeah. We'll see how yeah. it goes. The trailer that tells the whole story. Yeah, pretty yep. much. <laughs> that's it for coming soon. So now I just want to um, have a, uh, a special shout out uh, to some people um, who have been kind enough to contact us. The first I want to start off with, uh, this is by, by no means in order of importance, but so I do want to start with Rue, the inexpensive gamer. Um, now we actually uh, encountered Rue on World of Warcraft, and it turns out that he's actually heard of the show um, and is a fan and is actually and uh, knows all about us, which is awesome. Uh, and he was uh, he was really really cool dude, and even so went so far as to plug us on his show. So he actually has a uh, video uh, video podcast sort of thing on YouTube and on Twitch TV. Um, I'll give you the the proper addresses, and they'll be in the show notes as well. Um, but uh, he, he gives us an awesome plug at the end of one of his episodes. Really, really funny stuff. He's a great guy. I really recommend that you check out his stuff. Uh, his addresses are youtube.com uh, forward slash user forward slash inexpensive gamer and uh, twitch.tv forward slash inex- inexpensive gamer. So he does uh, game reviews and stuff like that. I also want to uh, do a plug for Digital Psycho Games. Um, Stephen Pastic and a group of friends from Melbourne. Uh, it's also once again it's, uh, it's game reviews and uh, it's on YouTube. Um, uh, they uh, contacted us saying that they were fans of the show, um, and uh, mainly because uh, Mick Credible um, told them about us. So uh, check them out as well. Digital Psycho Games. Uh, we also had uh, a few uh, Facebook followers and uh, comments, um, and this is just uh, just a handful. It's been really really good. Um, so once again not in order of uh, importance but we've got Greedy Smurf Ben McCready and Pat McNamara just to name a few um, Greedy Smurf follows us yeah Greedy Smurf that's pretty cool follows us he was awesome 
Uh, he also commented on the website uh, on the website page as well on my uh, Spider-Man uh, editorial, my nerd rage on the Amazing Spider-Man Seven Hundred. Does he know Papa Smurf? Uh, he probably does, but he probably wishes he he knew Smurfette more than anything else because she's hot. <laughs> Given that she's the only female Smurf, I'm sure all the Smurfs were thinking that as well. <laughs> Created by Gargamel. That's right. Just point that out there. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, but, uh, but, but beautified by Papa Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And on the Twitter, <laughs> we've got uh, uh, Aqualek, Seb Sharp, uh, Geek of Oz, Emmett OC, and Brian Michael Benders, who said Happy New Year's to us, which is awesome. Um, I just wanted a special uh, shout-out to, to Seb Sharp. Um, he uh, recently helped us out um, with some website stuff. He's a, he's a website developer or um, something like that, I think. Um, and... Uh, he was awesome. Oh, I put a shout out there saying, hey, I'm trying to get this done on the website. Within five minutes, he was on there. Bam, we had it working. Really, really funny dude. Follow his tweets. Uh, at Seb Sharp. Good stuff. So that's it for the shout outs. And moving on to our giveaway. Um, so we're actually, like I said, the, during the best of, we're actually going to give away a uh, wrapped brand new copy of Spider-Man, which was uh, my pick for the year. That's, uh, it's great stuff. Uh, and we're also going to throw in a NCP t-shirt. They're hugely popular. Can I just say how I loved how you held that up and, and held up the actual prize even though no one could see it? <laughs> I actually stroke it. It's wrapped in plastic, so it's okay. Don't worry about it. Wrapped in plastic. Um, so, yeah, so we're just going give to the give them away to uh, anybody. So to, to win these awesome prizes, um, all you need to do is send us an email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com uh, post on our Facebook page um, or send us a tweet if you can do it in 160 characters. Um, your best ofs uh, for 2012. So your best of um, film, comic, TV, book. So send those in to us. Um, we'll put all the entries into the hat, pick out the winner, and that winner will be announced on episode 42, which will be out January 20. And we'll also read out your best ofs, if that's cool with you. Um, so don't forget to also include your T-shirt size. Let's finish up with... You can send us email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com or post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast or send a tweet to us at nerdculturecast or leave a comment on any post on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com And don't forget, rate and review us on iTunes. Rate and review. <laughs> subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much to our lovely listeners. That's episode 41 in the bag. Cool. So that's it from me, and thanks from the crew, Richo. That was 2012 in a nutshell. Luke, so long, and thanks for all the fish. Crystal. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Don't forget that giveaway. Feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. Subscribe. And subscribe. One of us. <laughs> <laughs>